Welcome to Conversations with H. Today we have one of my favorite artists slash worship leaders, worship pastors. He's a Grammy Award winning songwriter who has written and performed with the likes of Maverick City Music, Travis Green, Ty Tribbett, Fantasia and many more. An amazing artist in his own right. Let's not forget that. With his recent <laughs> single, I Will Remember, out everywhere. Go stream and buy that expeditiously. Like go, stop, start the video, go stream it, go buy it and then come back. Some of yeah. you may remember him as Mr. Reggae Remix of Intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Travis Green featuring Mali Music, Jonathan McReynolds, Ty Trubert. Check out that video on YouTube, it's still there. I looked at it yesterday. He's now a creative arts and worship pastor at Transformation Church. Now, this is not Mike Todd. This is India, Indian land, Carolina, led by lead pastor Derwin Gray, where he has served for seven years. He's a teacher, a worship leader, a musician, a pastor, an artist, a husband to one and a father to one with one on the way. Yeah. I introduce to you the incredible, the superb Keith Jr. But some uh, of you guys know him as KJ Scriven. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. Hey man, I'm gonna send you uh I'm gonna send you 20 pounds on that uh on that. On that cash app, man, for that intro, man. You know, we worked that out so you can, yeah. you know, think well about me, brother. That's awesome, man. I'm super honored to be here with you, man. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Um, so what, we're going to get straight into it. For those who don't know who you are, who is KJ Scriven? Yeah, good question. I think you covered it in your intro. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else I can add to that. Um, but yeah, I am, um, yeah. Son of God, mm. a guy that loves his family. Yeah, I uh, love creativity mm. as a whole. And I am very, very interested in the concept of identity in Christ. And mm. I would love to see more and more and more and more believers mm. and non-believers to allow that concept that we keep in our head often mm that the travel 18 inches down to our heart and we actually live like it's true. Mm. I see so many people in bondage um, and um, and it would be amazing if they like knew who they were and God and everything that came along with that. So that's something that I'm like really passionate about. Like, like you said, musician, pastor, uh, artist, mm -hmm. songwriter, um, creative teacher, preacher, um, brother, friend, I mean, I really don't know what else to add outside of like, I mean, you, I mean, bro, you even like, that was a question. I did an interview earlier today and that was a question. It was like, what does KJ stand for? I was like, this man hit the Keith Jr. off the rip. I'm like, what, what else is there to say? My man did his research. I just, I just feel the respect, bro. I had to, I have, I have to, especially when I have someone like yourself or any other guest, I do the research. I make sure I know as much as possible, listen to every podcast interview that they've been on. <laughs> so I make sure I get the right questions. And, and I think that's great what you said in your answer, because then I want to kind of go to the younger KJ. Was that always something that was a part of you? And, and if it wasn't, can you give me three words to describe younger KJ? Oh, younger KJ? Yeah. Um, passionate. Mm. Focused. Mm. And a little insecure. Oh, okay. Those three words. Why those three? Why? Okay. Um, so passionate. Um, I don't know if you're like, or your listeners like know about Enneagram, but I'm a uh, three wing two. Mm. Um, I'm a three. I'm an achiever. Right. And so I'm very, I'm just... God has just wired me. I'm very driven. Mm -hmm. And it's just, that's just how I was built, man. That's yeah, just yeah, how, yeah, like, yeah. I think, I think I just, I just always, I, in fact, I was just very competitive. Like I would, I would get really, really frustrated as a kid. If I like lost the video game, I was like, the game is wow. cheating. The game is cheating. Um, if, if I lost a foot race to someone who was, you know, five years, my senior, I would cry. You know, so I was just very, very competitive, very passionate. Mm -hmm. uh, I played basketball. Um, um, if you ever meet me one day, I I'm 6'5". Wow. 
And so I, uh, yeah, played basketball. So just always really into sports and all that. So yeah, just pa- so anything that I do, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm a hundred. It's like pedal to the metal. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's that's just I think that's just my wiring. So I'm passionate. Yeah. I would say um, focus. Same thing to that. Like like just a very. Once I set my sights on a thing, it's mm. a wrap. Like I'm I'm in. Like I I get very, um, yeah. When it was basketball, everything was basketball. Wow. When it became when it was uh when I was studying business in college, mm-hmm. um, it was all about that. I was like I would wear a shirt and tie to class as an undergrad student. Like it, I'm all in. I would wear suits to class. Like yeah, I was just yeah. very very focused like whatever it is and then when it when it was music it was like i'm all in like i'm giving everything to it mm. so i'm just very i'm just kind of like a focused guy like once i once i set my sights on once you lock into um, something oh yeah, yeah yeah i lock in um and i would say insecure um more so in this percent in, in the I, I think when i was younger i i i realized that i was uh gifted mm-hmm and probably a little unusually gifted in a sense of like, I could, I genuinely, you know, like your parents tell you, like, you can be anything you want to be. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believed anything that I wanted to do. Yeah. I had the in- intellect talent to do it. Mm-hmm. The problem with that was I found, I realized that I was gifted and I realized that I had charisma. Mm charm so when you're young and gifted and you realize that you have charisma you can lean on that mm. um instead of actually being about like what you're portraying to be yeah like instead of actually being who you're portraying to be you can end up um relying on giftedness mm. and charm instead of um discipline and integrity yeah and so um so i just remember many moments especially in college when i you know i would try to charm my way through things instead Mm. of like just be about the work don't charm just be about it you Mm. know and so i i think all of that was rooted um in 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 insecurity i think Mm. you know what's you know what's kind of interesting that you said is that you said one of the the second word was focused so to consider that you was focused but then insecure at the same time that balance there really isn't a balance it's a a, you don't normally associate those two words together exactly exactly yeah i think so so it's interesting i I mentioned earlier the whole like enneagram thing right Mm-hmm. I'm kind of into it, to be honest. So before you carry um, on, just for those who don't know what you're talking about, just a brief yes. explanation on what Enneagram yes. is. So basically, it's just a personality profile. Okay. You, 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 you take a test and it basically, there are numbers one through nine. Mm-hmm. And typically you're a, so um, for instance, a nine would be considered a peacemaker. Yeah. An eight would be a challenger, mm-hmm. you know, um, a two would be a helper. A three is an achiever, mm-hmm. you know, um, ones are highly conscientious, very um, integrity based people. Mm-hmm. Four is an individualist, you know, so a five is an investigator, a researcher. And so, you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. there's 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 all. And so basically you take an assessment, you answer these questions um, and then typically you're a number. And then you're an, and then you have a wing, which means, uh, say for instance, for me being a three, you're either a three wing four or a three wing two, Got which you. means you yeah. are an achiever with a lean towards being an individualist. Yeah. Or, um, or you're a achiever with a lean towards helping others. Got you. Um. So, I'm a three wing two. Mm-hmm. So I'm an an achiever with a lean towards helping others. Mm-hmm. But. When I looked at what I think is interesting about that, it's not just saying, oh, you're this or that. And it's not a life sentence. Yeah. But it sort of describes to it sort of describes what is your greatest desire and what is your greatest fear? Mm. So so I'm saying so the reason I can be passionate, focused and insecure 
at the same time is like kind of described in my in in what it's the Enneagram, Enneagram describes as my greatest desire and greatest fear, which is this. My greatest desire is to be loved for who I am mm. and not what I do or bring. That's my, that's my greatest desire. I want to be loved for me. Mm. My greatest fear is that that will never happen. And so because it never happens, achievers achieve as much as they can wow. and they make wow. themselves as helpful to as many people as possible to ensure that there is a space and reason to be loved. So in essence, we end up sort of, wow. we, we are driven by this. We are driven by the very thing we don't want to happen to us. Wow. And so that's wow. how I can be insecure and very focused and driven at the same time. Mm. Wow. 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 That's, that's deep. Weird. Yeah, it is. That's it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's deep that is so yeah. deep like yeah i think and, and let me I, add to that let me add to that so there because there are a lot of people out there just like i don't believe in that or you, you know whatever some people think christians shouldn't do it or whatever, whatever right yeah, yeah you know yeah. and and you know shoot do yeah. your thing man whatever floats your boat so for me that's not again that's still not a life sentence i feel like all Enneagram is, is a tool to help you know which in which way you need to trust Jesus. Okay. So for me, which is why my favorite, not my favorite, I wouldn't even say my favorite, but right now the scripture that has impacted me the most recently mm-hmm. in, in the past probably year and a half is Matthew 3. Mm. Um, and Matthew 3 around verse 16 Jesus uh, is being baptized. And this Bible says when he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove and a voice from heaven proclaims, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Mm-hmm. Now, something interesting about that statement from the father. The first off, um, this I'm just throwing this in for free. Um, in that moment, you actually see the Trinity. So mm-hmm. you see the son, you see the spirit descending, and you see the father saying, this is my beloved son. Yeah. So you actually see the Trinity in that. That's That's a... That's a biblical um, um, reference for the Trinity. Um, but but uh, beyond that, um, it's interesting because at that point, Jesus had not begun his public ministry. Yet. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't turned water to wine. He hadn't made the blind man see. He hadn't no. made the lame man walk. Yep. He hadn't um, given the Sermon on the Mount, hadn't mm-hmm. gone to Calvary. And yet the father says to him, this is my beloved. Mm. son with whom i'm well pleased now how can you be pleased with someone who hasn't done any public ministry yet Mm. how can you be pleased with someone who hasn't done anything yet so in essence jesus launches into his public ministry shrouded clothed drenched in the affirmation of his father Mm. therefore jesus does Jesus does. And, 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 you know, like he said many times, like, I, I, I don't do anything apart from the father. Yep. So he does his ministry from the affirmation of the father, mm-hmm. not for the affirmation of the father. And so the beautiful thing about our union life with Christ, right? Like it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me, right? And, and mm-hmm. or we're sealed with the spirit on the day that we believe. So, so we are one, we become one with Christ. And so that means that everything that is true about Jesus is not true about us. Like being mm-hmm. in Christ means that every spiritual blessing that comes from Christ, we get a chance to participate in, mm-hmm. um, not by our merit, merit but by his, yep. right? But it's interesting, soon as you get to chapter four, right after that, Temptation. I mean, that's the end of chapter three. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted. And what does what does the tempter say to him? He says, if, if yeah, you are yeah. the son of God, mm-hmm. turn these stones to bread. So the father just said, you're my son before you ever perform. Regardless. The enemy says, regardless, the enemy says, prove you're the son of God by performing. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, he, re- he responds with the word, first of all. Uh, the word of God is the sword, as Paul ex- explains. It's mm-hmm. the only offensive piece of the of the armor of God. Mm-hmm. He says the, the sword is where he said. So, so Jesus in the spiritual battle pulls out his sword and says, it is written, 
man will not live upon bread alone, but mm-hmm. every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, what did God just say? Mm. You are my son Regardless. and whom I'm well pleased. So that's why that is important to me, being an achiever, being a highly driven person. And I don't think God did that by mistake, making me that way. No. But, um, but it's good for that to be, for me to be sober um, and that's why that scripture um, is so important to me so that I know that my high drive and achievement and focus needs to happen because I am affirmed, mm. not so that I can be affirmed. Yes. And so all of these things, again, are just reminders. And so, and so it's like, in essence, it's like, I want to be loved for who I am, not for what I do. And God is like, okay, I did that already. Mm. And so. I had a conversation with someone earlier this year and one of the things that she said in our interview, she said that she had never been loved for not doing anything. What she had Uh found and noticed is that she was great at ministry. So she was great at doing stuff. You could give her a task and and she'll smash it out of the park and she she would do it to, to an excellent level. But what God was trying to tell her was that, Regardless of whether you preach another sermon ever again, you are my daughter, you are my son, regardless. And she never understood the exchange for not having to do something for the unconditional love of Christ. Absolutely. So to hear you you then say that shows me that in life, especially with a lot of us, especially with a lot of us Christians, we get to a stage where we feel like we have to continue to do more to get more of God's love. And what that then prepares us or propels us into is a, if I'm not doing this, God does not love me. Mm. Which is a crazy mindset when he's already given us this love. And yes. I think you touched on a key point there in terms of saying your 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 inner in it your your free wing too. Yeah. Considering that you're so focused but so insecure, and then we'll get onto it a bit later in terms of you know 2014 when you kind of your music and and signing mm-hmm. and 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 finding the check. We'll get onto that in a bit. But it seems like when you look through your life, wanting to just get to a stage. And I'm talking from research. So the people that watch this are like, what am I talking about? <laughs> but to get to the stage where you're, you, you started off focused, insecure, you went, carried on going through these stages of needing, to, needing a place of love, needing a, needing a home as a church, needing to, to forget these things and to do these things. It's, it's an amazing love of Christ, but it's an amazing story that not just you, but a lot of us go through on a day to day. Um and you're blessing a lot of people with your story in terms of that. And I, and I hope people will be blessed as we continue to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so what comes first? KJ, the worship leader, KJ, the artist, or KJ, the preacher? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. What comes first? Um, they, it, it, I can't answer that. They all, they all impact each other mm, okay they, they 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 it's it's uh it's uh it's like a braid a three uh, you know a three strand braid yes they, they go in and out um my you know i i preach with my songwriting mm. when i'm leading worship i'm often sharing scripture and um and and giving a hermeneutic mm. you know in between songs. <laughs> um, when I'm preaching and when I'm preaching and building a sermon, mm. I almost approach, I approach it artistically like it's a story. Mm, okay. So I, 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 even if I'm, even if I'm breaking down a text, uh, you know, expositionally, yeah. meaning, for those who are listening, I'm not trying to use a bunch of weird words, but but meaning 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 line by line, yeah. meaning like not just picking out one scripture and then building a story around that scripture, but more of like expositional meaning, like 
hey, what was the line of thought yes. for the author when they wrote this? Mm-hmm. So even if I'm teaching a text exp- expositionally, I'm still looking at the big picture as if it's a story and you see Jesus mm-hmm. do that. He'll say the kingdom of God, um, the kingdom of God is like a master who had three servants. Mm-hmm. And one servant, he gave one talent and one servant, he gave two mm-hmm. talents and one servant, he gave five talents. And then he, you know, boom. And so he tells, he uses storytelling, mm-hmm. which is an art form um, as a way to describe, to really preach and to describe the kingdom of God. So I can't really say one is first. first. The other. Yep. I would just say that they all influence one another. Um, but I would say that preaching might be my favorite. Hmm. I can tell. I can tell from the Instagram. <laughs> uh, right, right. Preaching and teaching might be my favorite because it's it's a lot easier to just say the idea that you want to get through to people. Hmm. So when I do it in music, I have to. I know what the idea I want to get across, but I have to think about how can I shape this to where it's digestible mm. for the listener. Yeah. Um, and sometimes there's things I can get through. I can get through, through a song that I wouldn't get through by just saying, yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I understand all of them are um, necessary. And then worship leading is just something really special. Mm. It's just, inter- it, 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 there's, there's nothing like, not only just engaging somebody's mind, mm. you know, or emotions, but also engaging their heart and yes. their spirit. And that's one of, that's like the only music form mm. that, that does it that way. And so, um, yeah, but I, I probably would say I like preaching the most probably because it's what I do. It's yeah. probably what I, I get the chance to do the least. Yeah. So I probably, so I don't, I, even in that, I wouldn't even say that. <laughs> like if I just preached for a year and I didn't get a chance to lead worship, then I might be like, yeah, I want to lead worship, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. I kind of threw you a curveball with that question, if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of us, we got introduced to you as an artist in, in 2010, when you, you know, released the, the introduction and, and granted you were writing songs prior to that. Um, but we got introduced to you on the introduction got to tell you um, on the construction, all, all those kind of amazing songs that you had done. Yeah. What When you look back, how much did you first enjoy becoming an artist? And mm. how do you find that as being your creative outlet? How, how important is it to have that for yourself? Oh man, that's great. That's great. So uh, first, um, I would say... <laughs> So it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that you even mentioned under construction. Um, so that's there's a connection to that song to why I like even got it started. Oh, wow. um, being an artist, period. Yeah. And so the connection is there's a lady at my, at the church that I grew up in, who and I'm like just starting to mess around with guitar, but I've always written and I've always sang and done different stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. As I'm chatting with her. Um, she's like, hey, I keep having this reoccurring dream about you. And in the dream, I see you playing this song by Israel called I Will Search. And I was mm. like, that's freaky because I've been watching the tutorial for that song on YouTube and learning it. And I did that in my room by myself. That's weird. Um, I And then she says, yeah, yeah. And then there was this other song that you were playing, though. And I've, I, I, she's like, I'm not familiar with this song. I, mm. I, I've never heard this song, but you kept saying something like, my life is in your hands or my life is in your hands. You kept saying, and I'm like, what? Because mm. I, that was the song under construction. Yeah. That I had never released. I wasn't even considering being an artist. And so, wow. yeah, it was freaking me out. She was telling me lyrics to a song that only me and God knew about. Yeah. <laughs> and in that conversation, I told you I was a business major. I was very yeah. serious. I was playing. I wanted to go to law school after that. Okay. And um, um, she says, "Yeah, the plans for that you have for your life, like those are cool, but you're going to be a minister of music." 
And I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do with that. And now keep in mind, I'm from a uh, military town yeah. um, called Fayetteville, yeah. North Carolina. And in Fayetteville, there weren't a ton. It wasn't like I lived in New York or 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 L.A. Yeah, or yeah, Nashville. Yeah. There, there weren't really examples. There weren't even really a, to- a ton of examples that I knew of of people that even led worship for a living. Wow. All the worship leaders I knew like had day jobs yeah. and then they just did it to serve at their church. Like yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. Even know that that was an option. Mm. So I was like, worship leader, artist, like, how am I going to make a living? You know, and, I, and, and, there, and there weren't like really artists coming out of my city, mm. you know, who are who are doing it at that level. So I'm like, I, I just didn't have a I didn't, you know. So anyway, I called a friend who um, I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named Todd Galbraith before. He's yes. Yes. Yeah. OK. So me and Todd Galbraith are from the same hometown. OK. And Todd's a few years older than me. And so he had already started in his music. So he was the only artist that I personally knew. Yeah. And I called him and asked him his advice. I'm like, I, I mean, I got this word, but I don't know what to do with this. And and he's like, bro, control what you can control. Mm-hmm. He's like, you can get better at writing songs. You can get better at at um at uh at playing guitar. Mm-hmm. So just control what you can control and let God handle the rest. Then I ended up meeting a friend or not connecting again with the friend who I would sing background for, for fun. And he ended up having a studio mm. in his house. I was talking to him about it. He was like, bro, you can record it at my crib. And I did my first um, EP. Now that one, the introduction, that was the first version of the introduction. Mm. Um, I quickly realized I needed to like bump it, the mix and master up to another level. So yeah, then I yeah. recorded it. And that's the version that you hear today. So yeah, man. So that's that's how I really got into um, the artistry. Um, that's how I got into the artistry piece. And, and what was the second question? You asked the second question. Um, how do you how important is it to have that as a creative outlet? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think it's very important. I think it's good for my mental health. Like, although mm-hmm. I'm like a pastor in a local church, um, I think it's good for my soul for me yeah. to create. I think it's just good. Mm. The outlet is just healthy. And I feel like when I use that part of my brain, um, mm. it, it, it triggers something even into my like strategy and pastoring in the other parts of my life that I do. So I just think it's, I, I just think it's, I just think it's good, mm. you know? No, that's good. Yeah, I just think it's good for you, not only for the people that you, you know, if you're creative, like, and you don't get a chance to express that. Mm. I mean, even if you're a teacher, like, even if you're not making money, if you're if you're a a teacher and you're a painter, like, keep painting. Mm. You know, if you're a like what I don't know what you do, if you work at, I don't know, Chick-fil-A, I don't know, like, and you're a songwriter, like, don't ever stop writing songs. It's Mm. good for your soul. That expression is good for your soul. You know what's crazy? What you said in terms of that initial starting you out as an artist, and you wanted yeah. to be, you know, going to doing doing business course, and wanting to go to law school, and then that woman at your local church um, that you attended then said, "This is not the path for you." Yeah. Fast forward to 2013, 2014, where you are <laughs> on your journey of being an artist. I'm not going to spoil the story. You break down yeah. what happens the back end of 2013 into yes. 2014 to, to how we get to KJ Scriven now. Man. Oh my goodness. You did your research, man. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely impressed. I was like, There's, you, you can't find this information through my Instagram. So it's like, you, you, you had to do some digging, bro. So I respect it, bro. Um, so that story of the lady that happened in probably I don't know, July or August of 2009. Okay. Um, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I started working on the music. I met the friend in like August, August, September. We yep. start working on the music. I released it on my birthday weekend, which is in December. My birthday mm-hmm. is December 7th. 
I released it on my, I did I did a uh album release at my local at that same church. Mm-hmm. 150 people maybe there. Yep. And started my music. So basically really my my career really started kind of like 2010. Like yeah, top yeah, of 2010 yeah. is like when it really that was when I I think I did my first gig like December of 2009. Okay. And so it's so so pretty much yeah, 2010. Yeah, 2010. And so Things started happening fast. Like my mm-hmm. first, my first concert I did, I opened for Canton Jones. Yeah. My second concert, I opened for Molly Music. And I won't go into the story of how that happened. Yeah. But it's like, wow. Canton Jones at the time was like, he was, bro, he yeah. was blazing at the time. Molly, same thing. Molly was at the beginning of his, like, just like, yeah, exploding. He was, that was available. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was yes. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So he, I mean, oh my gosh. So that's how, the, and so things happen really fast. That's 2010. I start traveling. I start building. I got married 2011. Mm. Things, things are building. I'm like substitute teaching, you know, and in schools because that's the only job where I would have flexibility in my yeah. schedule. Um, If I was touring for a week, then I wouldn't be fired when I got back. You know, <laughs> job, you know? so they, I could work as much as they wanted me to. Yeah. And so that's, um, which is still to, at this point, at this point, I'm like, I cannot believe I did that. So, um, but anyway, so, and then 2012, I meet Ty Trivet. Mm-hmm. I was doing a concert. Um, I was doing a concert like that, that summer or something at a church. Yeah. Um, I uh, opened for Ty and Kiki Shear. Mm-hmm. Me and Ty connect. I sing the song, What Can I Do? Mm. Um, it was called Without You on my record, though. Yeah. And he heard, he was like, oh, my God, that song, bro. Like, oh, my God. So we meet. Anyway, I end up on the 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 Greater Than album. Yep. We we recorded in 2012. It comes out uh, summer 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, then January of 2014, we win the Grammy for album of the year. Yep. And then um, February 2014, I meet Transformation Church, the church where I'm at currently. Mm. Now, at that time, again, I was doing a lot of traveling, a lot of, I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, while I was there shooting, what can I do, man? I, I probably had, I probably had less than $100 in my account. You know? So, it's 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 it's, it's amazing, bro. It's like, Again, like I, I tell people a lot of time, it's not, it's like, it's not always what you think. Like, mm. like what things look like are not always what they are. So, sorry, just to cut you at this point in time, oh, you're traveling, touring, but to a certain degree, with a hundred dollars. Yeah. In, in that was 2012 though. That was 2012. When oh, I like when I was oh, going to when, actually Oh, do when you when you hit 2013, there's a little bit more money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah but part on. of that too is just like maturity. Mm. Um at that point, me and my wife used to work, and then my wife stopped um working. And that was just a tough, you know, I just had a couple of things happen. Mm-hmm. And then that it just kind of like took all of my resources because a couple of things that I didn't expect came yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't walking around with a hundred at the time. But my point is, <laughs> my point is when that was happening though, it was like the greatest moment, the biggest moment of my life. And I had no, I didn't really have any resources. And I was just like, let's go. We're yep. gonna figure it out. And um, so anyway, February 2014, I get to my my church, I meet them, and I knew at that time I wanted somewhere to park mm. to um to sort of feed my soul yeah um because i felt like i was doing a lot of touring and my soul was sort of deteriorating Mm. um 2013 was like the my best year like i was i was blazing at that time it it was blazing like i did yeah i was a lot better financially 2013 (laughs) for sure um really right after that though things took off as soon as people saw me yeah Saying at the recording before the song came out, 2000, it was like all up from there. And um, so I wanted a church home 
I did not have interest on being on staff on the church really? at a church. You just wanted to just so be. I wanted to, I wanted to continue being an artist mm -hmm. because in March of 2014, I got offered a record deal, the mm. record deal that I've been kind of waiting for. That's what I've been working for. And so first of all, to sort of get to that space in like three years and some change was actually kind of fast. Yeah. You know, um, but we started talking through it and talking through the deal. And I was just kind of like, uh, and then the Lord started tugging on my heart and was like, KJ, this is what you need. This is what you need. Like, I know what I want to do with you long-term hmm. and you need the discipline. And, and the reason why I didn't want to be on staff at a local church, it was just, it, it wasn't even like a bunch of anger or it was just like, I knew if I became a part of the church, I was going to have to answer emails and do planning center and it was actually pastor people oh, and wow. care about their opinions and what's going on in their hearts. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like you know what I mean? so, and I, I because I've like, I, I could not settle with just being a hired hand. Hmm. Um, because ministry is very serious to me. So it was just more that I knew the responsibility that came along with it. I was like, I'm not interested in that responsibility. Yeah. Um, so then the Lord just grabbed my heart, bro. And I called my pastor now and was like, hey, man, I think I had to change your heart. And I think the Lord wants me to do this. He was like, wait, wait, what? Because I had said no like twice before that. Mm. And um and uh, seven years later, with a bunch of ups and a bunch of downs and it, and, and, and everything in between, um, seven years later, here I am, bro, uh, an executive pastor. <laughs> <laughs> when you look back on your artist journey, would you change anything? Mm, great question. Great question. You know, there's a part of you that wants this, that, that's like, you can't change anything, mm. you know? So part of me is like, I don't even like, and, and all of those, all of those pieces literally are what brought me to where I am today. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. One of my favorite producers is Warren Campbell. Mm. Yeah. And we were really close to... Um, we were really close to like coming to a little partnership and doing some stuff together, and it yeah. just and we it just never materialized. So there's always been a part of me that like just wondered, like, man, what what would working with Warren Campbell have been like, like dropping an album mm. that he produced? So that's one piece. Mm. Um. And yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> but I can't. I can't imagine that you and Warren Campbell are so far apart. Where right. something where something can't happen now. But you know, we'll, we'll let the Lord lead on that. As as he, <laughs> well, he's a pastor too now. No, so it's just so it's, that's it's all time. it really was. Was just about like, and when we were talking, um, he was just a, he was just starting that process. Mm. You know. So um, that's and so I think that's primarily what it is mm. or what well, it was. So we'll see, though, bro. I, I, I'm, I'm open. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest change you've seen in yourself from first starting out as an artist to now being lead pastor? What's the biggest change you've seen within yourself? Probably humility. Mm. Um, and. Biblical perspective. Hmm. Before you carry on. Go ahead. With you saying humility, considering you're so charismatic, knowing this from a younger hmm. self, to say that that's the biggest thing that you've learned, one of, is, is a wow. <laughs> humility. Yeah. From then, from the charismatic, KJ, younger, focused, insecure, to... The biggest thing I've learned is humility. Why humility? 
I think there were things that I think I felt like I could, like there, there, there were issues in like probably in myself that I felt like I could avoid mm. if I avoided the industry and just did. Wow. And, and, and just, and just kind of lived a quiet life in the local church. Wow. And, but Jesus says, it's not what's outside of a man that defiles him. Mm. It's what's in his own heart. So even when I made that decision, right, to not sign a deal, come on, like that's become such a big part of my story. Yeah. That um, I think even at one space, one space in time, I got a little self-righteous about that. Really? Yeah. Like I made this sacrifice for God. Like I gave up the the fame and this and that. And I did. And it's like and then just the Lord just kind of like just just showed me that um <laughs> that all the same issues that I would deal with out there like the issue is me mm. and that there there are some ways I've had to bump my head and throughout the years that to a degree I wish I, there are things that I'm like dang I wish that wasn't a part of my story mm. And at the same time, it's like, there's no way I'm as as ineffective as a minister of the gospel without that. Mm. Um, Because it gives you a level of making mistakes gives you a level of compassion and empathy. Yeah. And more specifically, after you know better. Mm -hmm. More specifically, after you know better. Because as Christians, we often like to look at our sin from a past tense perspective. Mm. it's like yeah well you know we we like to fix things before we like to fix things privately before anybody knew there was anything wrong publicly wow talk to them kj yeah and the reality is there are three tenses of salvation the first tense is justification Mm -hmm. you are saved from the penalty of sin because of what jesus has done Mm-hmm. Second is sanctification. You are saved from the power of sin, right? And so mm-hmm. you don't have to be ruled by the power of sin. And that's the process all of us are in. As long as we're breathing, we're going to be in the process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. And the third is glorification, where we will be saved from the presence of sin, period. Sin mm-hmm. will no longer be a part of the, the factor. But right now, it is. And um, there's a little bit of a struggle and a little bit of a, of a wrestle that we all have to deal with. And I think one of the things we need to get better at is giving people space to actually be in that process of sanctification. Mm, so true. Um, so th- as I've learned that, I've, uh, I've just become a little more humble, I think. Mm. I think. How did you find that transition from artist to worship leader to pastor? How did you first find that transition for yourself? Yeah. What was the most important thing that you learned during that transition period? Mm. Um, that I need Jesus. <laughs> like, and and ultimately that... Jesus is the is like like everything boils down to Jesus being the greatest treasure of our mm. hearts. Like like bro, everything, everything boils down to is Jesus Lord of our hearts. And I've realized that there's no faith like there's a there's a part of me that 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 has always felt like oh if I if I can just it's like if I can just get to this phase, mm. yeah, 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 and I'll find that contentment and that happiness that I've been wanting. Mm. If I can just, you know, um, and no matter what phase of life I'm in, I'm learning. I'm like, oh, this is really simple. Love Jesus, mm. and you know, I think about Romans twelve, where he's like, verse two, he says. Paul says, 
don't be conformed to the patterns and thinking of this age, of this world, mm -hmm. but be transformed by the renewing yeah. of your mind. Yeah. By, or in essence, but be transformed by letting God renew your mind. Mm. So you can discern or so you can understand or so you can know what God's good and pleasing and perfect will is. Mm -hmm. So in essence, he's saying, Without the mind of Christ, you can't know or do the mm -hmm. will of Christ. True. And so what I'm learning is if I want to please him, it starts first with knowing him. Mm. And how is that different from your relationship with your wife? How is that any different from your relationship with your coworker or your boss? Yep. When you get to know someone, then you learn what pleases them. But many of us are um, sort of living our life in a silo on our own power, hmm. trying to please God with an old mindset. And so that's why Paul says, don't, 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 don't be obedient to the patterns and thinking of this world, but let God give you a new mind so you can know what his will is for your hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been my story. Mm. is through all of those phases I, it it all keeps coming back to Jesus yeah yeshua it keeps coming back to the more i know him the better husband i am mm. the deeper i'm intimate intimate with him the more patient father i am mm. the more that i love him than the less I desire to be Superman yeah. in everybody else's life. Hmm. Um, and the more I love him, the more content I am. That's so good. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's so good. I want to kind of, you transition there nicely in terms of talking about being a better husband, better, more patient father. How do you balance ministry and being, you know, having the family at church as well as having your family at home? How do you balance that? And what mm -hmm. advice would you give to someone who is trying to do that? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there's no such thing as balance. Wow. Off the top line. I would, I would say <laughs> that you I would say that you can't. And I think that's why people always ask that question. Really? I would say that it is a rhythm. Mm. And there, you know, balancing all almost insinuates that these two things hold equal weight. Mm. But when, which is why Paul says, look, I'd rather you just be, he's talking to like other young ministers. I'd rather you just be single like me mm -hmm. because when you become a father, and a husband and a family man, you know, this, so there's no, that's what I said, there's no such thing as balance mm. this is first. And it's hard because um, it, it can be difficult because, you know, when, you, you know, and I, I speak for myself, I know when I do things well at church and in that context, and it's like, you know, you get praise for that. Mm. You get, you know, every little thing, every project that you do well, it's like, great job, mm. you know, or if we have a dope Sunday, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to be getting DMs and text messages and phone calls like, oh, my God, y'all led so powerfully. Yeah. And then there's things like in your household, it's like, ain't your kids ain't like, like, great job, daddy, for mm. providing for us, <laughs> like, <laughs> Great job, Dad, for helping me get my clothes on today. Like, ain't it's like ain't no. It's not that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not that at, at all. So, so, but anyway, the point is, in um, I think it's Second Timothy, when he's ex when he's describing what a pastor should be, the one of the first things they talks about is like, you need to be you need to be able to take care of your own household before you take care of the household of God. Mm. And so, you know, to be real with you, I'm not certain how great I do that all the time. I try my best. Wow. I try my best. 
Um, but sometimes I don't try my best. Mm. You know? That's real. Like that is real. So um, so balance, I don't think it exists. Mm. I think there's priorities. Mm. It's not how you balance family and ministry, it's how you prioritize, prioritize. family and ministry. Mm. That's that is so good. And it's so real. It's so real. It's so truthful. I could give you a cute answer. I could give you a cute answer. No. I, just, <laughs> I, just, I just decided not to because sanctification is a process. Mm. And I don't have to be, I don't have to be the model. I mean, there are people in my church, like I'm a pastor. There are people in my church that are not pastors. There are people that I oversee in leadership who are better dads than me. Mm. And I can learn from them. And that's what I think discipleship should be. It should be cyclical. It should be a circle. A circle, there's no beginning or end of it. It's just mm-hmm. a circle. And I think we all sharpen each other. Iron sharpening iron. Mm. You know? And so um, I think that's uh, important. I just, I've just kind of decided at this point, like, I'm going to be honest about what I do well and what I don't. I'm not saying I'm a bad dad. I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. I'm don't. just saying. Um, I don't always, and that's why I also use the word rhythm as well, mm-hmm. because the thing with rhythm is sometimes there's a, there's different tempos. Yep. There are certain tempos in your life where you're able to be based on what's happening in ministry and family that you're able to be like really, really, really hands-on. And then sometimes you have to be a little more hands-off and yep. it just depends on the phase of ministry. And so that's why there are rhythms, mm-hmm. you know, and if we're talking music um, and, and, and sometimes the song is a faster tempo, sometimes the song um builds and yeah and sometimes the song gets quiet and and i think those are the phases but so yeah i just i don't really believe in balance long Mm. story short i don't really believe in balance and you know you know what's what's good about your answer and and when we're kind of looking at the transition through your life yeah one of the things that you said earlier on is you were so competitive to the point that if you lost to someone who was years and years older than you yeah. at basketball that would, you'd have a big problem with that but we look forward now to KJ now the father and the husband and the pastor who when he sees someone who is better at something he acknowledges it and says I <laughs> see that for what it is whereas K, younger KJ wasn't along those same lines and I'm just what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is the transition through life to where you are now wasn't just you were this person and now you're just this person at an old age. There has been a transition to get to this point for you yep. to then see people who you consider better at or or you could potentially aspire to be equally as you know as good a father or or however you want to look at it compared to when it was back in the day that wasn't your mindset. And I think that's that's dope, bro. I love that. Yeah, bro. I love that. And I, I appreciate you pointing that out because I don't think I definitely wouldn't I would have never looked at it in those terms. But I think, you know, I think that's a part of what I've been doing the last, you know, several years mm. is actually spending time. Um, there's a level of yeah, you know, when you look at like when you talk about like kind of being almost like exposed mm. for your weaknesses, I've actually spent time on character development. Yeah. And um, and I think if I would have went on tour, I would have had what I call the green room syndrome mm. where you travel from green room to green room to green room to hotel room to green room to hotel mm. room to green room. And and the only thing that people get to see you operate in is your your giftedness and your strength mm. but you never have to face the your dark side mm. you never have to face or, or you'll face it but nobody will see it mm-hmm. um, but you never get a chance to actually develop to sit like in the dark room and develop yeah um holistically and so that's why i just feel like at this point now i i've i'm I think I I like, and I'm glad, I think I'm making my best music ever now. Mm -hmm. I think I'm making my richest music ever. Um, Because 
there's a natural maturity that happens over time, but then there's also like, I've sort of been refined in the crucible of the fire, Mm. you know, um, the good and the bad and all of that, you know? And so I think if I would have been an artist for me, I'm not saying anybody else. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just something that I think that's a little, I'm not going to say unhealthy, but you just have to be really careful when you go from stage to stage to stage to stage and people only get to see your strength. And all that happens is you get celebrated for your giftedness. Mm. And that can be kind of, that can be um, a scary place to be because then you begin to believe it. You hear it enough times that you'd be like, oh, I am amazing. <laughs> and so I think that's some of the humbleness. I mean, the, not humbleness is not a word. That's some of the humility yeah. that I, I've had a chance to experience comes from I've seen some of my weaknesses exposed. Mm-hmm. And that's good for me. You know, that's really good for me. So I want to kind of pivot the conversation back to, you know, family a little bit. Yeah. And I, I listened to you on a podcast talking about you, your father and how your, you know, father, you know, loved you. And my question mm-hmm. is, how did, how your father showed you love mm-hmm. affect how you show your family love as well as your church family love? Absolutely. My dad was very hands-on with me. Mm. My, my dad, my dad, in the most fatherly way, you know, he, he touched me, mm-hmm. you know, he wrestled with me. He would brush my hair and make mm-hmm. sure I was together. Um, he hugged me. We joked, mm-hmm. you know, um, my dad was very affectionate, very strong, very affectionate. Um, and my dad was um, very tenderhearted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think, that's probably how I have also, my dad's very, very gracious. My dad, my mom was more the disciplinarian. My yeah, dad yeah, was yeah. more, my dad did not like, he didn't like spanking us and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like he didn't enjoy disciplining us. He just, he was just like, man, will you just please do what I, what you're supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I don't have to, dis- like, I don't get any joy out of disciplining. you. And so, um, so I think I have, some of those same characteristics mm-hmm. of yeah, I have some of those same characteristics of just like strong, strong, tender love. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, it's, 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 it's tender and it's strong at the same time. Mm. That was my dad. So off the back of that, what is the most important lesson that you'd want to teach your daughter and your, your baby soon to come mm-hmm. in life and why? Mm-hmm. I would, I would say two things. The first thing is that same piece of, of your identity is in Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you, here's the thing, I just feel like it affects every part of our lives. When your identity is in Christ, Mm -hmm. you're free. Therefore, everything that you do, you get to actually have fun while you do it Mm -hmm. because you're, Placing God and your value is not on the line yeah. based on one action that you do. So I would just really want her to know that her identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I would also want them to know that like life is hard. Mm. Life is difficult. And I want them to have that expectation mm. that life is not generally easy and good. And then bad things happen mm. to interrupt our good life. Mm-hmm. But in fact, life is difficult and it's a blessing when we experience anything good. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to say a pessimistic thing, but I want them to be mentally and spiritually tough. Mm-hmm. To understand that like the world has brokenness attached to it. And so yeah. the, and, in a broken world, um, the environment's broken. The people are broken. Like th- th- there's a lot of brokenness. And so I just believe that disappointment is unmet expectation. Mm. And so I think if you adjust your expectations, you won't be as disappointed with life. Mm. And there's a lot of people walking around disappointed with life because they thought following Jesus meant that things were going to be easier. Mm. And it's not that things get easier. It's just that, like, it's just that when Christ is in us, we get stronger. 
Yep. It's like if you weight train, if you weight train and you lift 100 pounds, you know, the same amount of reps every day, eventually it's not that that weight gets lighter. It's just that you get stronger, mm. your ability to lift it and carry it. And so um, I just feel, I don't, I don't know, that sounds kind of like almost like, dang, well, dang, that's kind of rough. But it's just like <laughs> real. It's real. But it's real. It's realistic. There's a lot of people just for real walking around like disappointed in this generation with life. And it's like, did you think this was easy? Mm. It's not. It's not. That's <laughs> true. That's so true. So I, that's what I would tell my kids. Your identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. And because of that, have fun. And when you have fun and you're authentic, you you end up just being successful at things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I think. I think when you when, I think when you don't think your everything is on the line, I feel like you just do better. You just do better work and you make better <laughs> art and you just and you're a better friend. Yep. You're just you're content. You just do doper stuff. Mm. And then you'll end up being where you where you think you might want to be anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But knowing that that's not what gives you contentment anyway. Mm. So that's why I just said I would just want to hit them with just your identities in Christ and your you are unconditionally loved. No, that's so good. That's so good. When you look back on your life so far, do you see a moment that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah. That, that you really had to overcome? And if so, how did you overcome it? Or in kind of keeping with the open and honest and transparency, are you mm-hmm. still overcoming it? It's a great question. Um, I think moment, man, there's lots of moments. <laughs> man, I'm, like, like, which one? Bro? Like, I'm like, like, which one? I well, think, um, yeah. Yeah. I, again, I think it's, I, I think it's like, especially one moment. I mean, just, or one season in particular, it's just like, when I had to, when I'm like becoming a pastor and I'm having to like, and I have to do all those things I said I didn't want to do. Mm. And I had to figure out a way to like, to when you're in a role and like the role is not simply just about, you know, doing the things that you enjoy doing. Mm. It was character formation for me yeah. to, to grow in things like administratively. Mm-hmm. and organizationally and changed the way that I looked at, you know, things in that sense. Mm-hmm. That was a process. Mm. That was a, that, that was a process, but that was good because I needed to learn that I could yeah. do it if I put my mind to it, that I'm, I'm not just a creative, mm. that I'm way more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the last specifically seven years has helped me really prove that to myself. Mm. that although being a creative is a beautiful thing yeah i'm also a disciple i'm also a man i'm also a student yeah and i and i'm also a leader and a pastor so that's good my last question to you today with where you're at in life right now what advice Mm -hmm. would you give to yourself oh man that's good that's good I would say a couple things. Mm. Don't take yourself too serious. Mm -hmm. But understand how serious your influence is. Mm. Mm. I would say don't forget what Jesus did for you. Mm. Don't ever forget what Jesus did for you. Your righteousness is not based on you, on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's based on what he's won for you at the cross. I would say that. And I would say, take more vacations. Mm-hmm. I would also say, Schedule more time 
for your family. Mm. Schedule more time specifically. There's always, always going to be a, a war for my time. There's mm. always going to be a, so I was going to be somebody making a bid for my time. Mm. And so if I do not, so, so I am actually more naturally a spontaneous guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've grown in planning and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So I've learned that quality time, that intimacy and quality time don't happen spontaneously mm-hmm. for me. Because every moment, every waking moment of my day, there's going to be somebody or something that is vying for that time. Hmm. So if I don't set that time aside, even for myself, even for myself, if I don't set that time aside, I'll never, I'll never see it. Hmm. That's so good. KJ. A lot of advice for me, right? <laughs> I was listening and I was like, ooh, KJ, you got a lot to take, you got a lot to take with you on the back end of this book, KJ. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. This is a a real, like, honest, open conversation. And thank you for just opening and sharing your heart. And I thank you guys for watching. This is KJ Scriven. This is Conversations with H. And we'll have much more coming for you very, very soon. <laughs>